0: We're continuing our study through the book of Matthew, and uh, uh, we've basically dealt with several different topics as uh, Jesus was addressing uh, the aspect of giving in verses 2 to 4. He talks about those who uh, give and what their motivation should be and how they can do it biblically and correctly. And then he also talked about praying in verses 5 to 15, and we spent probably 12 weeks on that, dealing with the disciples' prayer and how that's a model for us to pray. It's not just something we recite, but it's something that really Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. And uh, we hopefully have dug out about as much as we can out of that, uh, those four or five verses there. And then uh, today we want to look at the third element in in our Christian lives. A lot of times, and that is the area of fasting. So I just want to read for us this morning our verses uh, sixteen to eighteen, and you can follow along in your Bibles, Matthew chapter six, verse sixteen to eighteen. Jesus continues. He says, "Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites." with a sad countenance, for they disguise their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In each incident of Jesus addressing these three things, giving, praying, and fasting, He also addressed the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. The biblical way to do it, the correct way to do it, we would say, and the hypocritical way to do it. And in each case, the Jews of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and such, they would take God's standard and they would pervert it. And... Uh, It always the underlying factor and the reason they would do that is so that they could kind of show off to other men and um, look more righteous or more uh, pious than they were in their hearts. And so Jesus was constantly comparing the correct way to do something to the way of the hypocrites. And um, when it comes to fasting, the other two, you look at giving, and that's kind of a a commanded thing. You look at, at, at prayer, that's a commanded thing. Fasting, not so much. It's not so much a command that Jesus is telling us to fast. It's just an assumption that you will fast on occasion. And we want to understand what the reason is for fasting, what the biblical overview of fasting is, because a lot of people fast for a lot of different reasons. And most of them are not biblical. And they have a whole concept of fasting that is wrong. And it falls right into the trap that basically the other people, when they would give, they would give to get. They would give because they thought maybe if they gave, then you know, God would bless them somehow uh, as a result of their, their, their giving. Now, he does bless us. What's your motivation in giving? It shouldn't be just to be blessed by God. It should be because you're fulfilling the command that he commands you to do. When it comes to prayer, we don't just pray when we want something from God, hopefully. It's just not a medium to, to, uh, you know, kind of communicate with the divine Santa Claus, as some would look at, at God. It's so much more than that. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and it was kind of like when you're praying, pray this way. The assumption is you will be praying. Well, the same thing with fasting. There's a lot of people that fast for the wrong reasons, they have a skewed concept of what true biblical fasting is. And so we want to take some time and we want to look at it this morning. Um, my wife tells me all the time that I, uh, I just, you know, I fast too much. I mean, no, no, it's not that I fast. It's that I eat too fast. That's what she's always telling me. I got it mixed up. Sorry. That's. But, you know, a lot of us, that's almost true. I mean, if we went around the thing and said, when's the last time we fasted? Don't raise your hand, by the way, because it says you're not supposed to let anybody know. Um, Or you'll lose your... You know, it's not going to be the right kind of fast. And so we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, what does the Bible say about fasting? Um, it's been very, uh, uh, something that's been practiced throughout history for a variety of different reasons. A lot of the pagans in ancient times believed that demons could enter their body through food. Yeah. That's what they believed. And so when they felt oppressed by some evil spirit, they would stop eating, thinking that they're taking, stopping the intake of, of demonic uh, activity into their bodies because the, the, the demons dwelt in the food. Now, some of you may say, well, that may be true. and Some of the food we eat today, that may be true. I don't know. <laughs> some of it just is not good for you. But, I'm saying that jokingly, by the way. Don't leave here saying, oh, the pastor thinks there's demons in all the foods <laughs> and the Krispy Kreme donuts over there. And you'll be over there rebuking the donuts after, after fellowship time. But see, they believe that, that, that you know, by the intake of food that somehow that would affect them spiritually. A lot of the, the yoga practices of the Western, you know, the Middle Eastern mystical religions, a lot of what they believed they would commit to a fast for a long period of time hoping that somehow that would bring some kind of insight, some kind of vision, and uh, they usually got some kind of insight and some kind of vision that you always, mostly wasn't biblical stuff. It was probably, you know, I mean, I have um, those kind of visions sometimes when I'm over here at the office and I'm, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and I'm feeling lightheaded and I'm thinking, why am I feeling sick? And I realize, well, I haven't eaten all day. It's not that I'm fasting, it's just that, you know, I'm busy doing something and your body is affected when you don't have the intake of food. And a lot of times in our modern day culture, it's purely for physical or it's purely for cosmetic reasons. Um, it's, it's recommended for some in, in diet programs that they do a kind of a healthy fast. But the Bible, listen to this, the Bible records no teaching or practice of fasting for practical reasons, ever. The Bible never says, well, fast because you'll lose five pounds. <laughs> doesn't say that. It has nothing to do with the the practicality of fasting. It has nothing to say about that. Legitimate fasting in the Bible always, always had a spiritual purpose and it never was presented as having some value in and of itself. Ever. During the Old Testament times, many people uh, fasted, many faithful believers, Moses, Samson, Samuel, David, Elijah, it goes on and on, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel... In the New Testament, we see uh, people fasting like Anna, John the Baptist, the disciples, Jesus, Paul, numerous other people have fasted. We're going to look at at some of those verses a little later on. We know that many of the early church fathers fasted, people like Luther, Calvin, Wesley, Whitfield. But the only fast, this is interesting, commanded in Scripture is one. And that's connected with the Day of Atonement. There's only one commanded fast in all of Scripture, and that's connected with the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus 16.29, and you can also look in Leviticus 23.27, it says, On that day all the people were to humble their souls. You say, well, what does that mean, humble your souls? It's a Hebrew expression that really included a lot of other things, but it also included the idea of forsaking food as an act of self-denial you're going to deny yourself food for this period of time. And it was a national fast. It wasn't just one person deciding to fast. It was something that the whole nation of Israel did. It involved every man. It involved every child. It involved every uh, woman in Israel. But it only occurred one time a year. And then only as kind of a part of this, this celebration of the observance of the Day of Atonement. Now, you stop and you look at that, and because it's not elsewhere commanded by God in Scripture, other than where we just looked at, or in Leviticus there, where it talks about the day of atonement, that's the only place, fasting is different than giving, it's different than praying. Because there's many commands throughout Scripture that we're to give, there's many commands on how to give, there's many commands that we're to pray, there's, there's many commands on how we are to pray... But both the Old Testament and the New Testament, they speak favorably of fasting, they tell us a lot about it, they record many instances when believers were fasting, but except where in Leviticus it mentions on the Day of Atonement, nowhere is it required, which I thought was kind of interesting. Beyond that, fasting should be shown to be an entirely voluntary act. Something that the Lord expects because he addresses it here, but it wasn't required. You notice there in verse 16, he says, moreover, when you fast, when you fast, it has the understanding that you're going, it's something that you're expected to do. Just in the normal course of your religious walk, of your Christian walk, it's something that you're expected to do. But when it's, it's not commanded. He's just saying when you do this. But when it is practiced, when we do fast, we should have some biblical principles and that's what Jesus gives us here. He says when you are going to fast, when you do fast, not that you have to, but in the normal course of your your Christian life, you're going to come across times of fasting. Sometimes whether you like it or not. But... Regardless of that, there's some principles that Jesus wants us to understand on how to fast biblically. Um, Fasts were sometimes total, sometimes they were partial. Usually the ordinary fast, you would only drink water when you were fasting. You wouldn't take any, any solid foods. Um, and, and there were really two extreme views held concerning um, eating habits and things like that in the, in the, the day of Jesus. Um, many like the one mentioned in this passage here in Matthew made an obvious display of fasting they did it just to be seen so you know uh, that's just the way they would do it others on the other hand they looked at food as a gift from God which it is and each person would have to give an account to God on the day of judgment for every good thing he had not eaten that's kind of a a nice way to look at it if if you want to think of it that way Gee, you know, I don't know if I should eat that dessert. Well, it's good. God created it. I better eat it or I'm going to be accountable to God on the day of judgment. That was the second group. See, the first group was was more prevalent and they were more self-righteous. They were the proud group. And the second group was kind of like the more kind of religious, kind of behind the, the scenes, you know, spiritually pious, they felt. And so their fasting was not a matter of spiritual conviction, but it really was a matter of glorifying himself. And by the time of Christ fasting, like every other aspect, just like giving, just like praying that Jesus already addressed, they were they were perverted and they were twisted by the Jews of Jesus day beyond what scripture required. And fast had become this ritual. This this way of somehow you're gaining merit with God if you fast. And not only that, but you also gain attention before men. That's really what happened. And like praying and giving, it ended up being very, very hypocritical. Hypocritically. It was done very hypocritically in Jesus' day. Now in Jesus' day, many of the Pharisees, Luke eighteen twelve, says, they fasted twice a week. Usually on the second and the fifth day of the week, they would fast. And they claimed those days because those are the days, they claimed that Moses made the two separate trips to receive the tablets of the law from God on the Mount Sinai. So they said, well, we've got to fast on these two days. And you say, well, that's pretty interesting. But it's interesting to note that those two days, just so happens, those two days, the second and fifth day of the week, were also the major market days in Israel. So if you fasted on those two days, you would be, and you went in public at all, there would be hordes of people going to market because those are the days that the markets were open. That's just kind of like the day you went. It's kind of like going to Home Depot on Saturday. You know, everybody's there. It's like everybody's going to Home Depot on Saturday. You got know, to wait in line and everything. If you go in the middle of the week, there's not many people there. Well, on the second, fifth day, everybody would go to the markets. And so it's interesting to me that these. Hypocrites! these people that wanted to be seen by man, they just kind of decided, well, <clears throat> we'll do our fasting on the second and fifth day. Where the public is out there and we'd have the largest audience. That was their motivation. They wanted to call attention to themselves. And it says there that they would put on a sad countenance or a gloomy face. They would neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. They weren't home in the, in the closet prayer closet doing this. They were out in the open. And Jesus noticed that, boy, you know, you look like you've got a little more ashes on your head than normal. And you look a little more dirty than normal. Your face looked a little sunken in. I mean, these people were actually, and and it's not a stretch to say this, they were actually putting on makeup to appear worse off than what they were. They would sometimes wear older clothes, and they would sometimes purposely tear their clothes or soil their clothes. They would kind of mess up their hair if they had any. Um, They'd cover themselves with dirt and ashes. And sometimes they would even use certain forms of makeup of the day to make themselves look pale and sickly. So somebody would look at them and maybe they would look one way another day, but that day you would look at them and go, Whoa, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting. That would be the response. And just like the previous two things, when he talked about giving, when he talked about praying, he uses the word hypocrites to describe them and remember hypocrites comes from the greek word that means you're you're wearing a mask you're you're pretending to be something you're not and the jews of the day were hypocrites regarding fasting they were just using theatrics that's all it was it wasn't it wasn't in their heart their heart wasn't right and they were just doing a sham before the people and before god it was a mockery and jesus says that the reason they did that was to be seen by men Everything they did centered around themselves. Sometimes our culture is not too far away from that. So many times, everything in our life centers around us, ourselves. We've become a very selfish people. And a lot of times, that's just how we live day to day. If it fits in my schedule, if it works for me, what am I going to get out of it? You know the aspect of, of serving just to serve has 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 left us somewhere, and we need to regain that in our hearts. It's not about us. It's 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 a bigger picture than just us and our little family and our little job and our little world. We're called to be part of a bigger thing called the church, which involves fellowship can't have fellowship if you don't spend time with the people you're supposed to fellowship with. It it, call, it it calls for accountability. You can't have accountability if you're not going to spend time with the people that you're called to fellowship with, that you're called to be part of a church with. It's not going to happen. It just won't happen. And so many times we come up with excuse after excuse after excuse why we can't do this or do that or be there or be that. You know, And, and God's up there going, you know, whatever. Am I number one or not? I mean, you stop and you think in biblical times how hard they had it, how easy we have it today, and some of the excuse, excuses we come up with, you know, it's it's almost um, sickening. And you know, we all do it. I do it. I mean, you know, sometimes there's there's things, you know, this this last week. I mean, you know, it was just kind of a hot week, it was a busy week, and I remember at the elders meeting, you know, it was, it was kind of like, you know, we kind of started talking about how hot it was, and one thing led to the other, and I said, you know, maybe we'll just kind of see if Hassan would let us have off Thursday night, because it's going to be so hot over here, and, and, you know, that way we don't have to, you know, do the whole practice thing, we'll just do it Sunday morning. And there's part of me, after we kind of concluded that, and Hassan concurred, and he shot this email out and said, hey, you know, due to heat... And when I read the email, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it sounds so stupid. Not that you said anything stupid, but it was just the way it looked. It's like, due to heat, we can't practice tonight. It it was hot. I understand that. But I remember sitting at home just thinking, "Ah, I'm glad I don't have to go to worship practice tonight. And the Lord kind of put a little check in my heart and said, wait a minute. If you don't want to go, why are you going anyway? See, and and that's what happens sometimes because it's all about us. Because you start counting, well, you know, I'm out this night, I'm out that night, I'm out this night, I'm out that night, and oh, you know, gee, I don't have a night to myself. Oh, poor, poor Steve. Then God reminds you, hey, you know what? You're supposed to deny yourself. You're supposed to pick up your cross. You follow me. You don't worry about how many nights off you have. You don't have, you know, that's that's none of your business. You just do what I've called you to do, and you do it with all your heart, and you do it diligently, and you do it with excellence, and you know what, I'll take care of the rest. See, and that's what is so important. We need to get back to that. We need to step away from the selfish attitude that these people had. They just wanted to be seen by men, and if it fit into their own kind of self-grandizement, then it was part of the deal for them. And they were saying, and Jesus was telling them time after time, look, don't be like the hypocrites who are just concerned about themselves. We need to stop and say, let's, let's be concerned about the bigger picture. And personally, when it comes to the church, that's what we need to do. So let's look at this text concerning, concerning fasting. Because it's, it's rather um, interesting to me that here he says that when you fast, don't... Fast this way. He gives us two things here. He says, fast this way, don't fast uh, that way. And the first one is, what's the wrong way to fast in verse 16? He says, well, don't fast like the hypocrites. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. And there's a real danger of being hypocritical when you're fasting. There's four reasons why men fast generally. Men fast to gain a sense of God's approval or for self-approval. Secondly, men fast to fulfill a religious act. That's all it is. Or men fast to gain religious recognition. Or the last one, men fast to genuinely meet God for some special purpose. See, fasting is not condemned by Christ, but it's also, it's not commanded. It's expected. And you have to understand, when we fast for any other purpose other than to meet God... Jesus condemns it. That's the only purpose for fasting. He says, When you fast, when you fast, verse eighteen, you, you you appear unto the Father. He said the same thing about giving. In Matthew fifteen, eighteen he says, The people draw near to me with their mouth, they honour me with their lips, but their what? Their heart is far from me. Luke 18, kind of self-righteous, you know, uh, person there in and, and Luke 18. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. It's all about what I do. Second Timothy 3.5 says, there's coming a time when we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. And he says, turn away from such people. See, it's not good enough just to look religious, beloved. It's not good enough just to look, quote, Christian. That's not going to get you to heaven. It's a very dangerous thing to come under the hearing of God's Word week after week after week and hear the Gospel presented clearly, I I hope, that we need a Savior, that Jesus is a Savior, that He died on Calvary, and that we're on our way to hell quickly if we don't come to the cross... We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn to God and ask Him to forgive us. See, it's a very dangerous thing to hear that week after week and just, you know, yeah, 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 here goes the salvation thing again. Fasting, like the hypocrites, is wrong. And we have to be careful that we don't do it. Secondly, fasting for recognition is wrong. He points that out very very clearly there. He says, don't do it to be seen by men. They disfigure their faces that they may, what, appear to men, they say. Jesus said, the danger here of fasting for the wrong recognition, for any kind of recognition really, is wrong. There's a danger of feeling kind of super spiritual when you fast. I mean, you hear people on the TV. Yep. Uh-huh. Last month or last quarter, I fasted 40 days. Then God spoke to me in this vision. And here I am before you now. There's a danger. Few believers follow a true fast. Therefore, when they really fast, they have to guard against any kind of sense of super spirituality and pride because that's how we're geared. Secondly, there's a danger of overconfidence. See, the believer's confidence has to be in God, not in ourselves. And a lot of times when we're in a fast and we fast for a period of time, we, hey, you know, I mean, yeah, you get the hunger pains and everything, and then that passes and you start feeling pretty good about yourself physically. And then it starts going to your head and you're thinking, well, you know, I'd go another week. This is great. You feel overconfident. And pretty soon you're not even trusting in God. You're not even focusing on God. It's about how long you can do this fast. And every day you're waking up in the morning, jumping on the scale, you know, just... I mean, that just kind of goes along with the spiritual aspect of it, I guess. I don't know. That's not the reason we should fast. After a genuine believer, after a genuine fast, a believer usually feels very spiritually confident. And they're ready to go forth. That's why they fasted. But they have to do that, not depending on their own strength, but depending on God. So there's that danger. There's also the danger of sharing one's fasting experience. What do I mean by that? Well, the believer, the believer has usually learned so much from being in God's presence, because that's the reason you fast, that he's anxious to share it. Especially usually with those who are closest to him. And the best advice is to don't say anything. Share Share nothing. Because the Bible says very clearly, this isn't something that should be done to be seen by others. Don't appear to men to be fasting. There's also a danger of changing one appearance. And the one way, way you act. The way you behave. And if you change anything in your normal routine, it kind of ruins the whole benefit of fasting. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying they disfigure their their face. Matthew 23, 5 says, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. That kind of wraps up what this group of hypocrites was. They were all about what other people saw them doing. Matthew 23, verse 27 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites you are like uh, whitened sepulchers which indeed appear beautiful outward but indeed in, within are full of dead man's bones and of all of uncleanness see sometimes people appear to be something and they're not that just happens John seven twenty four. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. 2 Corinthians ten seven. Do not look on things after the outward appearance. God says it over and over and over again in His Word. And so when we're fasting, we have to be very careful not to give the portrayal of us being fasting. That's just a danger there. Fasting the wrong way also has its own reward. He says there basically that they have their reward to be seen a man, that's it. Somebody looks at you and goes, Whoa, wow, you fasted for two weeks? Wow, that's incredible. That's all the reward you're going to get. God is not even interested in your fast, if that's the attitude of your heart. A person will receive human recognition, they'll maybe receive some esteem, because, wow, they did it for two weeks, or they did it for a week, or three days went without any food, wow. Wow. Some people gain the control and they gain the discipline of their own bodies through fasting. But they run themselves and their ministries through pride. And they end up losing their reward because it's all about them. 1 Peter 1.24 says, "All For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. Psalm 49.12 says, Nevertheless, man being in honor abides not. He is like the beasts that perish. Psalm 49.17 says, For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. In in other words, if you're seeking the praise, approval of man, that's all you're going to get. There's nothing to follow up after that. And so Jesus clearly shows us here the improper way to fast. If you're going to fast when you fast, please don't do it like the hypocrites. Don't do it this way. And then in verse 17, he turns and he says, but if you are going to fast, but when you do fast, he says, anoint your head with oil, wash your face so that you do not appear to, be, to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who is in secret will reward you openly. Now, you have to understand, the right kind of fasting, the biblical kind of fasting, it's mentioned some 30 times in the New Testament. And it's always mentioned in a favorable light when it's talked about favorable. Um, it's possible that fasting was even, some people say this in early church history, overemphasized, that Jesus didn't mean it to be this emphasized. And there's, the reason they, they say that, some commentators say that, is because there's at least four occasions where there's a reference to fasting in Matthew seventeen twenty one, Mark nine twenty nine, Acts ten thirty, and first Corinthians seven five. Once again it's Matthew seventeen twenty one, Mark nine twenty nine, Acts ten thirty, and first Corinthians seven five. Those four texts almost seem to have fasting inserted in the text, in the original text, where it's not found in some of the earliest and best manuscripts. Now, that's kind of just a, a thing that they go back and forth on, but it's, it's interesting that, that some of the earliest and best manuscripts don't have the word fast in there, and some, somebody's put it in there. Um, the other favorable accounts, discounting those four, both in the Gospels and the Epistles, show always the proper fast, the way to do it the right way, and it's a legitimate form of spiritual devotion to God. And so Jesus says there, when you fast, he indicates that fasting should be normal. It should be something that's acceptable in the Christian life. He's not condemning the fasting. He's condemning doing it the wrong way. He's, doing it, he's condemning it, doing it as a hypocrite, just like he condemned praying as a hypocrite, just like he condemned giving as a hypocrite. But he says, when you fast, he kind of assumes that you're going to be fasting. And he assumes his followers were fast on certain occasions. But... He falls short of giving us a command. He doesn't say you have to fast. Doesn't say that. At a specific time or, or you know, at a particular time or place or the, the method or whatever, he doesn't even address that. And you have to remember that the validity of the Day of Atonement, okay, the, the day that, that, that was, was celebrated, it came to an end when Jesus made his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. Turn over to Hebrews once. Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews chapter ten. It says in verse ten Hebrews ten, ten. It says in verse ten. By that will we have been sanctified. By what? The sacrifice of Christ. That we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And what are the last three words? Once for all. Okay? Once for all. So we don't need to celebrate this day of atonement anymore. Christ is already the sacrifice. And when he did it, he is the single sacrifice for the whole world's sins. So, we don't need to keep on sacrificing Christ over and over and over and over again, as some believe. That's not biblical. I remember when I was growing up in the Catholic Church, we used to carry the crucifix. Well, you say, well, What's the difference between a crucifix and a cross? A crucifix has Christ on the cross, He's no longer on the cross, He's risen, the Bible says. That's why we don't have kind of a symbol of Christ on the cross here. He's not there anymore. He's risen. That's the power of the resurrection. Do we recognize the death of Christ? Yes. But we don't stop there. We have to remember that, hey, yes, he died. He died a cruel death. And and there's a time and a place to remember the passion of the Christ and everything. But that's not what we glory in. We glory in the power of the, the, the resurrection. If it wasn't for the resurrection, it wouldn't make any difference whether he died. And so, when we have a proper understanding of what the Bible says concerning Christ, that He came and He died, He gave His life up once for all. That's why, when we have communion time, we're not up here talking about how we're re we're, we're, we're sacrificing Christ. That's not something that we would do because it's been done. He went to the cross once, that's all that's needed. And so when the Day of Atonement kind of ceased, because there was no need for it, because Christ came and He sacrificed Himself once for all, the Bible says, well, then all of a sudden, what happened to the one single prescribed day for fasting? It went out the window too. There's no need for it. Because it all had to do with that Day of Atonement. Well, the Day of Atonement is not something that would be um, you know, really relevant to the Christian. I mean, we want to know the history of it, we want to look back and understand it, but it's Christ who came and gave himself once and for all. See, Jesus' disciples did not fast while he was with them, because in their mind, fasting is associated primarily with mourning. It's primarily associated with other times of, of kind of consuming spiritual need. That's what it's associated with. And when the disciples, you remember of John the Baptist, went to Jesus and they says, you know, why don't your disciples fast? Like the Pharisees do. And his reply was, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, he went on to say, and then they will fast, Matthew 9, 14, 15. See, fasting is an occasion when it's associated with mourning. Fasting is never seen in Scripture to some means of heightened spiritual awareness or experience or visions or special insight or anything like that. As many mystics, even some Christian mystics, claim Now, some of those things happened when people fasted. That's true. But they didn't fast to make those things happen. Fasting is, is appropriate for us today because Christ is physically absent from us here on earth. And it's, it's appropriate only as a response to times of maybe testing, times of trial, times of struggle. Sometimes fasting is appropriate during um, times of sorrow. You know, sometimes as a chaplain you get called out and, and sometimes you go to these classes and they teach you certain things. And one thing is they teach you when, when somebody's mourning, when somebody's grieving the loss of a loved one at an accident scene or whatever, You know, when you're following up with that person you know, in the hours after whatever the incident was that they lost somebody, make sure you, you're feeding them. Make sure they're eating something. You have to have a conscious effort to put something in your body when you're at a time of sorrow or pain or trial. Because it just doesn't click. Because you're so consumed with what you're going through, food is the last thing that your body even requires. It's almost kind of, that's the way God geared it. And that's really what biblical fasting is about. Fasting means to be so consumed with, with hopefully a spiritual matter concerning God, seeking God's will for your life, seeking his word, whatever it may be, that it becomes more important than food. So all of a sudden you're searching the scriptures and it's been eight hours since you ate anything. And you're going, wow, I didn't even realize it. The believer believer sets food aside in order to concentrate on seeking God about a certain matter. Biblical fasting means more than just abstaining from food for health reasons. It means to abstain from food in order to concentrate upon God and His answer to maybe a particular prayer request, to a particular situation. Maybe you're just not understanding a Scripture and you want to understand it more so you just get so into it, food is the last thing you're thinking about. Biblical fasting always involves prayer. It always involves an interaction between you and God. It's never just a physical act in the Bible. It always involves intense kind of supplication before God. You said fasting is expected. Every believer is expected to fast at some point. Jesus himself fasted. The apostles fasted. And in the New Testament fasted. Cornelius fasted. Church leaders fasted. Husband and wives are told to uh, uh, fast in First Corinthians. or are expected that they do fast in First Corinthians 7-5. It says, To defraud not yourselves from one another except to be in consent for a time that you may give yourselves to what? Fasting and prayer. Paul fasted often. So, it's something that's expected, and it's to be done without notice, and it's to be done to God alone, the Bible says. See, the religious person, the person that gets kind of their own self gratification out of fasting, does it before men. They put on their clothes, they put on their makeup, and, you know, boy, then they go out on the street corner, and everybody says, Whoa, what's wrong with you? You look like you've been just run over by a truck. Oh, I'm fasting. Aren't I spiritual? See, a genuine believer fasts before God and only God. And it's not to be seen by God. God sees it, but that's not the purpose of fasting. It's very important to understand that. Don't think that you're going to go on a week's fast and God's going to look down on you and go, Oh, gee, now I'm going to love you more. I'm going to give you more answers to prayer. I'm going to..." See, your motive's all wrong if that's the purpose you're fasting. Because you're no different than the person who's giving to get or you're praying to get. God doesn't say how often we should fast. He doesn't tell us how to fast. But the one thing He says is make sure you do it before God in secret. No one sees you. And fasting the right way also has its reward. It says there in the text that God shall reward us openly. How much greater is His reward than, you know, the recognition of men? Stop and think about this. On every occasion, whether it's giving, praying, or fasting, God is saying, if you do this in the right manner, and you do it as unto me with a right heart, I am going to reward you openly for what you've done secretly. That's a promise. God's acceptance and eternal reward should be all that we're seeking after. We have to stop kind of going down the paths to look for the praise of men. It's not worth it. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all publicly before all believers appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that... He hath done whether it be good or bad. See, fasting can be a good thing if you do it with the right motive, you do it with the right heart, but it can also be a bad thing. And we have to discern that. 2 John 8 says, Look to yourselves that we uh, lose not those things which we have wrought, but we shall receive a full reward. I think it's so important that sometimes when we think of fasting, when we think of, of the idea of going without food, we think somehow that that God will love us more or or do something more. See it's it's just it's just the opposite. The reason that you're fasting at least biblically from what I can gather, it's always, they were so caught up with God, they were so intent on seeking God that they just didn't have time to eat. They just put food on the shelf. And as a result of that, God blessed them sometimes in in miraculous ways. But see, we've kind of brought it down to this this way that somehow, you know, if we do this, then we get something from God. You know, if we're going to have a... A conference, and you know we need to fast for forty days before, and then you know maybe God will really show up. If He wouldn't show up anyway, see that's wrong. Um, there are times when you're you're faced with a struggle, you're faced with a, a trial, and you're, you're seeking God so much that that literally you just say, you know what, I don't have time to eat. I'm, I'm not going to do it, and that's a fast, and that's fine because your heart is right but you don't do it just to you know be seen of men to to get something from God people who are co- so consumed with with concern before God and they're so bent on on seeking out his will or or understanding his word or whatever it's it's like they just don't have time to take a lunch break it's like they just can't squeeze it in and that may not sound spiritual to you you may think fasting is is something far different than that but from what I can see in scripture that's kind of what the Bible says in every scriptural account genuine fasting is always linked with prayer it's always linked with prayer it's always prayer and fasting prayer and fasting they're always seeking God so you can pray without fasting but you can't fast biblically without praying it wouldn't be correct kind of an affirmation of intense prayer. It's kind of a sign that, boy, you're really struggling with something spiritually. Maybe a good thing before God. It's never an isolated act or ceremony or ritual, which we've made it in our modern culture so many times. One commentator says, it has no value at all. In fact, it becomes a spiritual hindrance and maybe even a sin. When done for any reason apart from knowing and following the Lord's will. See, fasting is always linked with a pure heart, and it must be associated with an obedient and a godly life. In Zechariah chapter 7, The Lord told Zechariah to declare to the people, he said this, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, (laughs) was it actually for me that you fasted? And he goes on and he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Dispense true justice, practice kindness, compassion, each to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. See, they were fasting. They were putting on a big show, but all this other stuff was going on. And Jesus, just like everything else, he's saying, you know what? I'd rather not have the fasting if that's the attitude you're going to have. And if it's not relevant to your life, it doesn't affect the way you're living. If you're, if you're living in an ungodly manner and yet you're saying, well, I'm fasting, God doesn't accept that. It makes him sick, really. It's kind of that that, that lukewarm, you know, that, that we he says, he goes, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold, but don't be lukewarm because I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. You know, have you ever had lukewarm water? Like just, you know, ah, just nasty stuff. You know, I remember one time I was sick and had a sore throat and wasn't feeling good and somebody said, oh, take some salt water and, you know, can I have sea salt and all this stuff? And, you know, gargle it and all this. Well, I don't know what uh, happened, but somehow a couple gulps went down the old throat. And, ah, uh, I mean, I was just puking my brains out. Because it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's just sickening feeling. And that's what Jesus says. I want you to be hot or cold. Don't, don't be this, you know, kind of middle, middle ground here. If you're going to fast, great. Do it in the right way. And he says here at the end, um, don't be seen, don't be fasting to be seen by men, but by God. Jesus does not say that we should fast for the purpose of being seen by men, or even for the purpose of being seen by God. It's not something we do for God to get his attention. We already have his attention if we're his child, his attention is eternally fixed on us as his child. We don't need to rattle his cage and say, Hey, I need some some help down here. He already knows the help we need. And in his prescribed time, in his prescribed way, he will dish out the help. He just wants you to be dependent on him. Genuine fasting is simply a part of concentrated, intense prayer and concern for the Lord, his work, his will, and, and, and just asking God to work. And at the end of this verse here, He says, the Father who sees in secret, not that you're doing it for Him to see, but He sees it, He sees everything, will reward you openly. I think that that God is is a a God who is faithful, He's just, He sees what we do, even when nobody else does. And that's, that's so important to understand that. Well, you might say, well, okay, practically are there times that we should be fasting? I mean, are there times that we should? I I think there's certain times when a believer feels a special pull or an urge or something to get alone with God and and to just seek God's face and that might include a fast. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, There are times when there's special needs arise in your life. Um, There are times when uh, a believer needs to, to humble his soul before God and sometimes that means going without some food because you're depending on God. Um, There are times when maybe a task before you seems great and and you want to just lay yourself before God and just focus on that and you don't want anything to distract you at all and and maybe that's even including food. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good physical benefits to fasting, but what are some of the spiritual benefits? Well, fasting keeps the believer in the presence of God. It really does. you're you're not distracted by anything. You're not kind of even on a time schedule. Fasting humbles the believer's soul before God. Fasting even teaches the believer his dependency on God. Um, You're seeking God with all your heart and you realize, why, I have to depend on Him and Him alone. Um, It demonstrates to God by the various by just the nature of fasting, saying, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you six hours today of just seeking your face. You know, that 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 really shows God you're serious, that you're willing to set aside other things, including food, to seek his face. Has the aspect of teaching us to control and discipline our life. Helps us from getting involved in Maybe habits of eating certain things at times. That's a practical thing. But I hope that this morning we can see it from Jesus' perspective. Just do it with the right heart. When you do it, and your Father who's in secret will, who sees in secret, will bless you openly. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that uh, fasting is probably not something that we do regularly in our Christian walks. Maybe we do, I don't know. But Father, I pray that it would be done with these biblical principles in mind, that it wouldn't be done to be seen by people at all, that it definitely wouldn't be done to show off or or to think that somehow we're, we're gaining some kind of a spirituality that otherwise we wouldn't have. Father we pray that our hearts would be pure, that we would do it in secret, and that may even mean not even telling our spouse that we're fasting, Lord, we know that uh, we've all we all struggle in different areas at different times, and sometimes we just need to seek your face and we need to hear from you and Lord sometimes that means. Just setting aside those special times. Lord, I pray that we're doing that on a regular basis each day, that we have our time with you, our devotion time, and our time in the Word and prayer. Lord, those are basic elements to any Christian's life. It's kind of like milk to a newborn baby. They need it to grow. If they don't have it, they will pass away. They will die. And so, Lord, we pray that today as we looked at this topic, Lord, I pray that those who are gathered here this morning Father, that they understand that this isn't just a religious thing that you do. It comes out of a heart that is consumed with Christ, that has been touched by Christ, it has been transformed by Christ. And Lord, that's not to say that we're some religious righteous people here. We're not. We're all sinners. We all have a need of a Savior in our lives. And Lord, I pray today that if there's any here who is yet to, to cry out to you and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, They're tired of trying to pay for their own sins. They're tired of trying to live according to their own rules and their own principles. And it's time they just came and, and laid these things at the cross and asked Christ to take over control of their life. Ask Christ to forgive them of their sin. Ask Christ to fill them with the Holy Spirit to help them start their new Christian walk Lord I pray that you would transform their heart this morning you would help them to cry out to you Father we thank you and we praise you for your word in Jesus precious name Amen